episode of Dr. Me First. And hey, I did a thing. I have joined the Dr. Podcast Network. So at the beginning of all of my episodes, you will start to hear some ads runs. I know, insert eye roll. But let me tell you guys, this is going to be so helpful. One, because you're going to find out about so many other amazing physician podcasts that are being put out into the world. And secondly, hello, dollars in the bank. Yes, that's right. So the sponsors that you're here are vetted through the network. And they may not always be 100% pertinent to us here on Dr. Me First, but what I'm doing this for is to help other podcasters, maybe those who are just getting started, to make some money and really get into the flow of their podcasting because hashtag better together. All right, so let's pay some bills and let's do this first one. Physician Wealth Services is a fee-only financial planning firm dedicated to the financial well-being of physicians. Hello, we all need that too. Ryan Inman, the founder of PWS and the creator and host of the Financial Residency Podcast, developed a sense of responsibility to help physicians with their financial goals after witnessing how vulnerable his wife was to poor financial advice through residency. He was absolutely shocked at how many advisors tried to take advantage of her and her peers. Guys, seriously, I know I was there, definitely. I love Ryan for this reason. He is hashtag married to an alpha female. He is providing financial advice. And hey, he started the Doctor Podcast Network. So a little bit more about Ryan. He started PSW as a fee-only practice so he could work exclusively with physicians who truly benefit from unbiased, qualified financial advice. Working with Ryan is simple and totally transparent. There's no assessment under management, those AUMs, if you know what I'm talking about, great. If you don't, hey, I didn't know either. No products to be sold or commissions to be paid. Everything is a flat monthly fee with him. It's the way it should be. So if you want to work with Ryan, head over to his podcast, listen to Financial Residency Podcast, or contact him and his team at drpodcastnetwork.com backslash physician wealth. All right. Well, let's get into today's episode. I'm talking today with the amazing Dr. Pamela Ludmer. She's coming to talk to us today about one of those dirty words. That's right. You know, I love those on this podcast, divorce. We're both going to share our personal experience and about how divorce brings up all the shame and all the feels and what do we do about it? Okay, let's get into this episode. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, my friend, my fellow colleague, Dr. Pamela Ludmer. It's so great to have you on here, Dr. Me First. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, tell all the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself. So I am a med-peds and adolescent medicine uh, trained physician, and incidentally, always love to talk about med-peds too. But now I'm an associate dean of curriculum at New York Medical College in New York, and uh, I am also a coach, a divorce coach and a women's leadership coach, and I am a divorced mom of two boys, and I should say I'm, I'm a happy divorced mom of two boys. Girl, I love it because you're so multi-passionate. We can talk about <laughs> medical education. Oh, yeah. We can talk mm-hmm. about raising mm-hmm. children. We can talk about this. But what we're really going to jump into today is divorce because it's like such a like voodoo, don't talk about it because then it'll happen to you word. 
And those are my favorite topics to get in on and just like pull the sheets back and be like, here it is. Absolutely. We're going to go into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So tell me your story if you don't care. You share about your divorce story and I'll share about mine. How about that? First. So I uh, will start off. I got married in 2003 to another physician. And as most stories, you know, totally in love. But around 2013, started to have some issues and we separated for a little while started the divorce process, tried to reconcile, didn't work, and then ended up getting divorced. And our divorce was final in February of 2019. And I now have two boys who are 13 and 16. And I will say the boys are doing good too, because that's always a concern. (laughs) But my my boys are good. You know, we're good. We had our challenges, but we've made it through to the other side. Yeah. Okay. My divorce story is I am a child of divorce. And let's see, my parents... Did the separation thing, very long, drawn out divorce, but finally happened, started when I was like almost 16, ended when I was 17, almost 18. So a long span of working through this came from a very traditional evangelical background. So that was a huge deal that my parents were getting divorced. And I remember one of the things was that my dad specifically wanted us to go like talk with the pastor, make sure that we're like, okay. And that sort of thing. And I remember sitting in the, in my pastor's office and being like, no, this is actually really good. Now realizing what life can be like when you're not in the middle of that much dysfunction. So my dad raised my brother and I, we lived with him after the divorce. And so, yeah, so I, I just want to stand up and be like, yeah, I have a divorce story and like you said about your kids, like it was okay. Like it was rough and like, you know, there's the, the shit that you go through and the child custody stuff and the one parents against the other. But at the end of the day, I look at it and my family was better for it. Yeah, that's so important. Even what you just said about all the dysfunction that you saw as a child, the kids see it. That's the thing. So parents feel like, you know, the kids don't know what's going on, but they do. They they can sense that there's a problem. They can sense that things aren't right. So like you're an example in your situation, it turned out better. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's still weird, like holidays, you know, we have one side of my family, then another side and then another side. And so it's, it's, it has been interesting opening up communication with my children, especially my youngest, she's four now going on five. And she's like, grandma, such and such is your mom. And I'm like, no, no, that's grandpa's wife. She was my stepmom. But grandma such and such is my mom. She's the one who gave birth to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but they'll figure it out. And and at four, like it becomes, this is the thing I think that's so hard for us to realize, both as parents, you know, with kids of divorce and if we've been through it, is that there's another way to look at families. You know, we are so, you know, just for lack of a better word, really brainwashed from the time that we're really young to think there's only one right way to do it right? That one right way to do it is get married, have a house, have kids. Boom. Done. Yeah. Your fairy tale. Right. The the fairy tale. And it doesn't always work that way. And now your daughter has other people to love her, right? That's like this, you can look at it as a gift. You know, if you find those other people, wow, more people to love her. So if you can just change the perspective a little bit, that changes a lot. Well, and I look at it too. If my parents were still married at this point, 20 some odd years after they got divorced, it would be awful. 
you know, like family gatherings. I mean, as much as split family time and the, and it brings its own challenges, it really is. But I want to dig a little bit into the institutionalization of what marriage is. Because you're right, as little girls, like we're taught, like you find your prince charming, he sweeps you off your feet. And I mean, we're alpha females. So we're like, yeah, we got to go to the office and get our degree and do some other big professional shit. But there's still that little bit in the back of our mind of like, this is how it's supposed to be. So dig into that a little bit, because I know that's part of your work of like helping people kind of unravel what it was supposed to be when it didn't turn out how it was supposed to be. Yeah, well, just like what you were saying, this is how from a very young age, this is the expectation, right? This is the expectation of what women should look for, right? We are supposed to look to get married and have kids. And if you deviate from that in any way, there must be something wrong with you. But that just reminds me of the study that came out maybe a year ago, a year ago, something like that, that, and it was a European study, but looked at the ones, the women who are the most likely to get divorced were women who had just been promoted or who were in very high positions of kind of power and authority in their organization, especially if they didn't have a partner that really shared responsibility with them. And I think we, I certainly see that a lot in, in women that I speak to, especially physician women, right? It's one of the complaints where the physician women, we're doing everything, right? We're doing everything at home and we're doing everything at work. And if we don't really have a partner that can share that burden with us, it becomes very hard to maintain that marriage. You know, one of the things I say is that we can have it all, but we can't have it all at the same time, right? Something has to give and we have to make choices and we have to prioritize something's going to fall off. So yeah, we can be great physicians and we can have great marriages and we can have a lot of great things. But if we don't prioritize properly, something's going to give, something's going to go. You only have so much room on the plate. Yep. You really yeah. do. And I, I think that's important too, when we're looking at like the fairy tale to, to just be like, yeah, that may be somebody else's fairy tale and mine may look differently. I wish that was one thing as a young adult that I had been clued into a little bit more. Now, retrospectively looking at, luckily, holy shit, like I, I married up. I'll be perfectly honest. I still to this day feel like he got the bad end of the bargain. But no, uh, no, 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 I'm sure not. <laughs> whew, I don't know some days. Uh, but exactly like breaking that, that it doesn't have to be. And I think it's, I see the parallel between marriage and the medical track, very similar of like, this is how it's supposed to go. You get on the tracks and then this is the first stop and then the next stop and then you do the next thing. And like, if somehow how we, if we don't stay in the lines, then we're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, yes, doing it wrong. And also the intentionality comes in too, right? Where you have to sort of think and be purposeful, just like we think about this with our careers, right? With work, you know, we're so used to residency fellowship, dump you into attending hood, and then you're dumped there and figure it out. And you're just going autopilot. People sometimes go on autopilot with their marriages too, right? And that's, you know, they just, okay, we're married. Great. Let's have kids. Great. Let's buy a house. Great. But you know, are you really being intentional about your partner, about your marriage, about, and this goes for both, right? It's not, this is not a male, female thing. The spouse, or, you know, if it's not a, you know, a, a heterosexual couple, the spouse has to be just as intentional, right? Both spouses have to be really intentional when they're looking at the marriage and not say, great, we're married, boom, boom, done. Yeah. Cause it is, it's a weekly, daily decision to be like, 
do I want this? Um, am I still in this? I remember my husband and I, we got pre-marriage counseling. It was kind of screwy. I was going out to Kansas City for medical school and I was like, well, we better just like get this done. And it was actually really helpful because then we lived apart for several years before we actually did get married. And one of the huge things I remember from that is uh, the person we went through was like, just remember that this is not just a one-time commitment. This is going to be an over and over daily, daily commitment. And whether you're going to put up with his shit every single day and he's going to put up with your shit every single day. And because, of course, like anybody, you hit rough patches. And I remember when we hit one of our rough patches, it was right after our first son was born. And just asking each like, do you want this? We know it's not good right now. <laughs> Let's be perfectly honest. We both know it's not good right now. But do you want to stay in this? And I think it is an important question to sit with. And like you said, that intentionality. And then also knowing that there's nothing wrong with you if you say no. Like I don't anymore. And people change, right? And that's that's the other reality is that people change. And sometimes the person that you married isn't the same person. You're not the same person. And you have to decide if that change is okay. And it isn't always okay. And if you decide that you want to go your separate ways, then, you know, that's okay. The, the most important thing is find, is being able to find your happiness. And we don't always find that in the midst of divorce. Like divorce is usually rock bottom. Somebody is hitting rock bottom, right? But, but then being able to say, okay, this didn't work, right? I think that's one of the hardest things. And we're talking a little bit about shame, right? When it doesn't work, the shame that is associated with why didn't I make this work, right? And, and the blame and the guilt and the fear and all, all the stuff that comes up when it doesn't work. I mean, I totally understandable. They're natural feelings, but that's what makes divorce so hard because we, we just get hit by all of these terrible, horrible feelings. And at some point we have to make a choice to be intentional, to change our lives, to try to make something better. Yeah. So talk more about that because I'm huge in about feelings. I really think we're similar in this. I really feel like feelings are signals and data being sent to us about unmet needs and desires. Yeah. Unmet needs, desires, and our, and the inner messages you know that are so ingrained in us, right? That's the shame that comes around divorce when a marriage doesn't work, right? The shame that it didn't work. A lot of that is, again, the messages that, you know, when you were five, you were taught, this is what you're supposed to do. And you're supposed to get married and live happily ever after. Oh my gosh, it didn't work. And yet, and yet we know how many marriages in this country don't work. But when it happens to someone who's getting divorced, just it's like you, there's something wrong with you. You're right. That happened to me. What's wrong with me? Why couldn't I make this work? You know, what, what did I do wrong? Why couldn't I fix this? And then when you're a mom, it's the guilt, the guilt, you know, about your kids and what's going to happen to the kids and that they're going to be messed up, right? That's it. Automatically, it's assumption that the kids are going to be screwed up forever. Like, and most of the time it's not true, but as a mom, that's all you're thinking because we're always thinking about the kids, but forget it. Come divorce. It's, I've screwed up my kids forever. They're, they're never going to be happy. They're never going to be good. But then there's fear of, of what's to come because, again, all of a sudden you had this track, you had this trajectory, you're going to get married and live happily ever after. Now, all of a sudden the marriage is gone. And then what? It's a black hole of nothing because you have no idea how to live any other way because you never learned how to live any other way because you had this path in front of you. 
And then there's just all the stuff around divorce itself. It's overwhelming, having to learn the legal landscape. It's meeting with all these lawyers and financial people and parenting people. And it's just, you know, all of that overwhelmed. And at the same time, if you're a parent, you have to co-parent with this person forever. So somehow you have to put aside this terrible, horrible thing that happened and realized, okay, but I have to make, find a way to make this have some kind of a relationship. Like you can't just cut the person out forever. So you have to get over then those feelings of anger and resentment that you have for your spouse. So it's just, it's a landmine. Like divorce is just this emotional landmine, like spiraling of so many different emotions that are just out of control. And so when someone calls you up and is like, hey, I want to work with you and they're they're going through the shame, the guilt, the fear, thought tornadoes. And then they've got the anger and resentment when they start talking about co-parenting and they're overwhelmed by the lawyer and the financial stuff and like, where am I going to live? And oh, by the way, then go to work and, you know, keep making the money and have the health insurance for everyone as well. Where do you start with them? Yeah. So it's so hard, right? It's so hard. But we start with one little step, right? And that's all it is because there are so many thousands of steps that they can take. So it's figuring out what is the one little thing that you can do right now that can move you from A to B. And they have to decide what it is, right? They have to decide for themselves what's right. It might be, I just really need to know what kind of divorce I should be looking to get. That's actually where I like to really start working with people from the very beginning, because there's so many different kinds of divorce and nobody knows no, nobody knows what they are because what's the first piece of advice that anybody gets is get a shark attorney. I actually hate that advice, but that is the advice that you see everywhere. Get a shark attorney. That could be like a whole nother thought, another, a whole nother conversation, but that's just the wrong advice to give uniformly. Most of the time you don't actually need a shark attorney, but sometimes you do. But it's really getting them to say, what is one small step to move forward? So sometimes it's just one decision. Sometimes it's like, I'm just so overwhelmed. I can't even think of anything. Then it's okay. Let's just take a breath. And what are things that you've done before when you've been overwhelmed, right? Trying to help people get back in touch with their strengths, right? Because we all have them. We just, especially in divorce, we forget. Because when we're divorced, we're just a failure. Like we just are a failure at everything. We can't do anything right because this was the most important thing and we screwed it up. So now we're going to screw everything back up. So it's helping them to say, to, to kind of look within themselves again and say, okay, wait a minute. I do have some strengths. There are some things that I can do well. You know, one of the things that, you know, we talk a lot about you and others, like we can do hard things. Okay. We've done hard things before you know, it'll be okay. And sometimes you need to just calm that sort of emotional storm and just to be there to support, to listen. So there's just a lot of options. There's not one right way. It's really going to depend on where the woman is when she's there and what her big concern is in that moment. I think that's perfect because if we could take that into all aspects of our life and so much of what you're saying is what I'm thinking about when I coach people who are in burnout is it's not just an emotional storm. It's an emotional fucking hurricane. Like it is huge and destructive. Yep. You can't see past the end of your nose. It is that. It is like, what's the things that we can do to take this from category five to like category four and then three and then two and then one? Because you're not going to positive think your way out of this. And that's where... Actually, I'm getting ready to do a solo cast on toxic positivity. 
because it's huge. It's huge. And I think it's the same thing for divorce. It's like you can't you can't just positive, optimistically switch your brain waves over and then this is sunshines and rainbows. No, it's fucking hard. This is hard. Let's acknowledge and be in the moment that this is hard, but let's keep it there. Let's not generate more stories about oh my God, my kids are going to be in jail or oh my God, I'm going to be homeless eating trash out from behind McDonald's or you know what I mean? Those stories we make up about it. Let's just come into the moment and say, yes, this is hard. And let's sit with it, sit with those emotions. And then like what you're saying is then really identifying that next step. Like what do you need? What do you truly need? Maybe you need to take a few days off of work. And then during those days, then you'll have the brain capacity to go through the paperwork or to move, then to get into your needs. And I think that's so important. I'm going to loop back around because I do want you to talk about like, what are the different kinds of divorce? Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll loop around to that. But, but if I could just say one thing, because what you just said, yes, like being able to sit with the emotions without sort of making a whole kind of terror story about, you know, what's going to happen in the future. But I'll say that my dad was instrumental with this. My father's a psychiatrist. And when we were really, you know, at our low point, I remember talking to my dad, I was working full time at the time, I had two jobs, you know, working full time. And I just said to my dad, I just need something for the anxiety. I was so anxious and just in one of those places that you can't, you just can't get out of. And I was like, I just need some medication. Like I really was like, I need Ativan. I need something because I can't, I can't handle it. And he just looked at me and he said, Pami, he's from Argentina. So he has a little accent. He said, Pami, why would you take medication when you can make a change in your life? And I was like, whoa, he's right. He was right. Like I didn't, at that time, I didn't have to be working two jobs. So that was a change that I could make. That was huge because just that little change was like, okay, now I can breathe. Right. So even being able to think, what is one small change that will give you a little bit of space to be able to manage all these million things that are going on in your life? So important. Yeah, we'll go back to the other question. Let's stay on this. This it, it is so important because so many times, just like with taking the blue pill, like that would make life easier. All that we're really doing is we're repressing and we're not processing. We're, we're repressing the overwhelm, the fear, the, the terror, the everything, and just like placating it with a benzo or placating it with alcohol or whatever other coping. When in fact, and that's why I think coaching is so powerful, if we just made the choice and say, actually, if I told my extra job, like, this is my notice. So many times, you don't need the fucking pill. Like you, you need what you need. Your body is telling you with all of those feeling signals and it's getting past the shoulds. And I think it's getting past like being in our mind and actually dropping down into our body and into those feelings and really asking the question like and talking third person yourself, Aaron, what do you really need right now? And then listening and yeah. following yeah, through. Yeah. And not trying to think yourself out of it, right? Not trying to think yourself out of it because- Divorce sucks. When you're going through it, it sucks. There's no other way to think about it when you're in that moment because it is the worst thing that has ever happened to you for most people, right? Like we learned in medical school, it's like the second most stressful thing, you know, people can experience in their lives. Like they're in that moment, especially there is no other way to, to think about it because it is just, it's horrible and it's overwhelming. 
when somebody is ready to get to that place to change their thinking, they will come to it on their own once they've managed and dealt with all of the emotions. But you have to get you have to get into the bottom of that hole before you can, you know, get get out of it. You can't kind of float above it. You have to deal with it. You have to face all of it. You, you know, if you try to avoid it, you know, try to pretend it's not there. Try to pretend this is not the worst thing that has ever happened to you in that in that moment. Then it's just going to be, you're just going to hold on to it forever. And you're going to carry it with you in to every relationship. That's the other thing. It will, it will stay with you for every relationship, unless you sort of deal with, you know, the aftermath of the divorce when it, when it was really happening to you. I have a friend, she's a marriage therapist. And one of the quotes that so she's, she's told me so many things because I, I love talking with her. But one of them is she talks about divorce as a death that still has a walking body. Like you grieve it, but then it's still there perpetually. Yes. yes. And if, there, if there's been abuse in the relationship or, or any sort of issues of infidelity or anything, like usually when there's, you know, kind of a crime or trauma, like the person is away and you don't see them again. But when it comes to divorce, you're always seeing that person. So if you're the person who is so badly hurt, you have to continue to see that person. And that is really hard to deal with you know, when you're always seeing that person. And again, it's always going to suck. Like it's always going to suck, but you have to deal with it, deal with the emotions, work through those emotions and get to a place where, where you're strong and stable and okay. So that they're not always derailing you every time you see them. Right. Because that's, that's a whole nother thing when people want, you know, the gaslighting and they're trying to derail you and trigger you all of that. It's just, it, it just takes a lot of strength, inner strength, but that core, you know, that core has to be really strong. It can't be a superficial kind of strength. It has to be real core, core inner strength to be able to deal with all of this stuff. I was giving a lecture yesterday to some of my favorite residents and we were talking about self-compassion and then, you know, feelings and emotions came up with it. And we really got into the talk of your emotions are never going to go away. The feelings are, and I think that's pertinent to this talk that we're having about divorce. Like you're, you're probably always going to have some firing of emotions in some ways with around certain situations, be it like for me, the holidays are really triggering. And I think they will always kind of be triggering just because of the dysfunction that is mine. And so the quote that I shared with him and one that I think continues to float in my mind is we can't stop the waves of the ocean, but we can learn to surf them. And I think that's with like navigating hard situations is like having the awareness that, oh, there's waves and they're coming, but this doesn't mean anything is wrong. It doesn't mean I did anything. They're just waves. And that has been super helpful when my waves feel like tsunamis. Yeah, I had when I when, when we first sold our marital home and I moved into a rental, I got a thing for the wall for that was my quote. And my quote was life isn't isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's learning to dance in the rain. So sort of, again, part of that was okay, like I'm going through a really horrible time right now. But I will learn to see past the storm. That's happening, right? We, it's a tsunami of things that are going on, right? And divorce is a similar thing. So, but we'll learn how how to get there. So, well, and and I think too, like what you're saying is not ignoring the rain, not being like, oh, the rain's not there. The rain is there, mm-hmm. but it's proceeding through, mm-hmm. right? And not hiding from it, right? You can't hide from it. You can't pretend it's not there, right? You go, you you face it, you go out and deal with it, and develop your strategies for still 
being okay out there. in the rain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now let's get back to the question of different types <laughs> okay, of divorce. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah. So people think of, you know, they just think it has to be a shark attorney and it has to be tons of conflict because that's what we see on TV, right? That's what we see on TV. That's what we hear about. So it has to be this horrible with tons of conflict and your lo- this lawyer, this lawyer battling it out. Uh, but there are a lot of different ways to go about it. So one way that works for some couples is mediation, where they just have kind of one lawyer. And then the two, you know, the, the couple is there with the mediator who's helping them to negotiate the agreement. And this works really well for some couples if there's trust, you know, if there's still some mutual respect, if the couples are still able to communicate, and if there isn't like a real imbalance of power then that is, is, is great. It can be much cheaper. Obviously, there's much less conflict for everybody. So again, if parents can do this, I you know, highly encourage if, if they have a decent relationship and they think that they can get something fair from that to go ahead and do that. I should backtrack and say the fair thing, fair is in the eye of the beholder. Even as I said that, I was like, it's not that it's fair, it's equitable, right? Something that's you know, okay, that both people can live with. Then there's another kind of divorce that's collaborative. It's it's a collaborative divorce where each person has their own lawyer, but instead of having, you know, one lawyer for both people or two lawyers here that are really fighting it out, all four people will get in a room together and try to negotiate together. So it's still, they're trying to come to agreement together. It's not this kind of banging of, of heads together. But they actually sign an agreement that says, we are going to, in good faith, try to negotiate an agreement together, and we're not going to go to court. And that's also a really nice way to go about it, because again, there's not as much conflict. Everyone's kind of talking together. It's a little bit more open. Coaches are often involved in that, as our um, financial planners might be involved in this process to really help them work together. Parenting specialists may really help help the couple work together to try to come to something that's mutually agreed upon. And then you have the two, you know, kind of the traditional kind of lawyers fighting together. Doesn't mean they're going to go to court, but the couple is never communicating in this, in this kind of scenario, right? It's just the two lawyers hashing it out, fighting it out. And that tends to be the worst way to do it. Because the other thing is, if they know that we're physicians, right? Lawyers are smart. Oh, physicians, they have a lot of money. We don't have to, you know, worry about that. We can drag this on. We'll just keep fighting until the money runs out. Like this is that not, again, not all divorce lawyers are like that, but there are lawyers who are like that. We'll just keep fighting until the money runs out. And oh, there's no more money. Okay, now let's wrap it up. And, and that unfortunately happens. So those are kind of the three main ways that that we find kind of going through divorce. I think there's one thing I want to add here that I think people don't think about is the place of the law in divorce, right? So people think they get married, yay, we're married and everything is wonderful. But in the eyes of the law, a marriage is just a contract. So a divorce is just a dissolution of a, of a business contract. That's all the law really cares about is how are we going to, how is this couple going to split up the money and how are they going to split up the kids? That's it, right? So people often think, oh, I'm, I'm angry. I'm going to get him. He's going to have to give me everything. You know, this is going to happen. This person betrayed me. I'm going to screw them over. But the law doesn't look at it that way. Lawyers, again, will pay for that. Like, well, we can pay lawyers to get engaged in that conflict. But the law itself doesn't care. It just wants to make sure money is split equitably, assets are split equitably, and that the kids are split according to the law equitably, which is a whole other thing. But people don't think about that with divorce. They think of divorce as a way to punish the other person. And that's where the money that, that's that's where the money gets all and conflict get all racked up. 
I think those are some great points to bring up because if you think about as long as there's been marriage, there's been divorce because of the place of the law, because like what marriage represents in the eyes of the law. Like you said, it's it's just an agreement. And so it's just a, you know, dissolving that contract, just like at the end of an employment to be like, all right, here's the terms type of thing. And But we bring in the emotional, we bring in the faith-based spiritual, we bring in the intellectual part of it. And I think that's a really good place that if you can kind of break it down a little bit and be like, oh, these are kind of the factors, this is where I'm sitting at, and find that area for which we're most struggling with, I think that's really important. Because I like to do that when when you're going through a job divorce, which is when you are leaving your job, like the same thing, like, what is it that's wrapping you up? And and most of the time, it's not the non-compete. It's not the contract. Like, we can figure that shit out. It's the internal. And that's why I'm so glad that you are doing this type of coaching with the experience that you have and all the expertise behind it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, it's That's what sort of brings it all up. I think the other thing that's really hard, and I just want to add with physician women that makes this different is that we're not used to as a society thinking that the physician, the the woman, the mom is paying the dad. I'm going to stick with heterosexual because that's mostly what I work with, even though I know there's others, but I've only so far ever had heterosexual clients. So I'll say that the woman is paying the dad child support and sometimes spousal support. And Oh, that hurts, right? Because again, that goes against everything. Again, goes against the way we've been raised, right? Of the woman paying the man. And also for us, when we work so hard to get to where we are, and now we have to pay somebody that we were married to, and they're making us pay them child support and spousal support, that is a whole nother, a whole nother area that is just so hard to work through and hard for physician women to, to deal with and to manage the fact that they work so hard to get to where they are professionally. And now they have to get rid of some of their money to pay, you know, their kid's dad. It's really hard to deal with. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the work of navigating and helping other women through this journey. If people want to find out more about you or if they have questions, because we just hit the tip of the iceberg with this so much more, we could jump into where's a great place for them to come hang out with you. So I have a website. I don't know if you want me to just tell it to you now or you just want to put it in the show notes. I'll do both. I think that'll be easier. So it's www.alignitycoaching.com. And Alignity is A-L-I-G-N-I-T-Y coaching.com. We can leave the email to Pam at alignitycoaching.com. And I would be happy to speak to anybody anytime. And I think it's important to know I do free divorce coaching for physician women sometimes too. So, you know, really anybody feel free to reach out. Everything is obviously confidential. So, And what I was going to say, this is not for like in the midst of this divorce. This is before, during, after, and much, yeah. much after. Exactly. You, exactly. For the whole spectrum. Exactly. Yep, exactly. So thanks so much, Erin. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the podcast. All right. Can't wait to talk to you again. see what it's like to hang out in a group with me, to catch me live in person and around all the other amazing women who listen to this podcast. Well, I want to invite you to our monthly free 
totally free masterclass that happens the last Sunday of every single month at 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's right. So much fun, so much collective goodness all in one place. We're still doing the Be Happy Now series. And so I break down a topic each month that will help propel you into living a life where you can be freaking happy now. So if interested, jump on the website, burntouttobadass.com and sign up for this next month's masterclass. I can't wait to see you there. a great conversation with Dr. Pamela Ludmer. And hey, before we end and I get into my kick of encouragement, don't forget to reach out to Ryan Inman and his team at Physician Well Services by going to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash physician wealth. I really feel like he should make it like physician dollar signs and lots of dollar signs. But anyway, to help you with your finances in the same way you take care of your patient health. All right, let's get into today's kick of encouragement. I want to talk about the statement that I made in the conversation that as long as there has been marriage, there has been divorce. As long as you have breath in your lungs and your heart is beating, you are going to have shit that comes up. You're going to have emotions. You're going to have things that happen in life. So I just want to normalize it. And one of the best ways that we can do that is to name things right? With my kids, when they were little, you know, they'll ask, what that? What that? What that? And I think so many times if we can assign a name to something, it makes it so important. So I was recently talking with a fellow physician. Actually, it was somebody with XY chromosome, which was super fun. I love sometimes when I get out of our all-girls space and I start talking to some of the guys. But anyway, he had set up a discovery call with me. And he was talking about how he had found the Dr. Me First podcast and that it really gave him the vocabulary to speak exactly how he was feeling. And that just struck me so much because I can remember back to my own experience when I didn't even have the words to describe what was going on with me. I just knew that it just felt all mucky and dark and ugh. And so I think it is really powerful when we're able to say that and put our finger on it and name it. And I think so many times when we talk about the dirty words, as I mentioned, divorce, we talk about finances, when we talk about sex, when we talk about the things that are uncomfortable and that we were never supposed to talk about as little kids, that there's freedom in that by just naming it and finding other people who can help name it too. So that's what I want to be your homework for this week, is I want you to really sit down and recognize that as long as that you are kicking on this earth, you're going to have experiences. And that means that you're not doing anything wrong. Nothing has gone wrong here. But what I do want you to do to help, not even manage, I guess the word I would use is experience, is to start naming those things. And if you don't have a name for it, Just talking it out with someone can be so beneficial. So maybe it's a coach like me. Maybe it's another coach. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a close friend. It's a confidant in some way that someone can hold some safe space for you where you feel utterly secure and able just to have a whole bunch of word vomit to get it all out. Because if you keep speaking, the words will fall out of your mouth and you'll find what fits. 
just like I was talking about with the guy that I talked to a few weeks ago. And once you find that fit, it's like a puzzle piece that snaps into place and you're like, oh, now I see the picture. And once you see the picture, then you can move forward in action, my friend. All right. Well, it's great hanging with you today. So excited to be a part of the Dr. Podcast Network. And as always, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Heavy lids, short.